Hi everyone, welcome to another CornerCast podcast here on our new home on Podbean. Um, what's going on? So the new site launched. We're very excited about that. Alex and his team at A Squared Studios did an amazing job with the new design, um, our new podcast logo. So we're super excited um, for that. I mean, it's it's been it's been a great process. We're very happy with it. Um, we're we're got our Podbean sorted out, so all the podcasts should be up. Um, apparently, we've done more than I thought, so we renumbered those, and those are all nice in order, and they should be up on iTunes for you. Um, yeah, so it's been um, we haven't updated just because it was um, we haven't done a lot of like reviews and stuff. I've got a lot of stuff sitting in front of me. Um, I've got new transformers. I've got some DC icons. We've got some bot bots that Hasbro sent over for us from the Cold Rush games. We've got DeLorean from Playmobil. We've got the Scooby Mystery Machine from Playmobil. We've got the basic to- fun toys, I think they're called. Um, they did the Scoob figures. Um, so we've got uh, definitely photos coming. Thinking about how to do video um, or revisiting video. And um, so we got a lot on the horizon. Um, it's just me trying to find the new workflow and... Um, now the new site's up. This goes a lot quicker. Um, so we're really excited about that. So this week on the podcast, uh, we sit down with toy designer. Um, I mean, he's got the you know articulation joint tattooed on his arm. I mean, could you say more? I mean, I, I know everybody that sees him says that. Um, but really, could you say more about Bobby Valla? Um this was recorded probably mid March, um, so we're we we thought the site was going to launch like a week or two after that, but it, it took a little longer. And uh, with all the hiccups and things, I didn't really want to put this out, and it got lost. So uh, we sit down with Action Force creator Bobby Valla to talk about uh, Action Force, uh, his project, and all the links and pertinent information will be in his information will be in the um i'm not going to try to do all that there's you know facebook groups and there's valiverse on facebook and instagram um bobby answers all the questions um he is an action figure fan from way back um watching watching him while we were talking and looking at all the stuff behind him he had gi joe collection and the flag and uh, it was amazing. You can tell the passion that he has for the um, medium, the, the the industry. So we talk a little bit about his time at Hasbro. We talk a little bit about fan interact. We talk a little bit about everything um, that goes into action figures. And uh, I had a great time. Hopefully he had a great time. And hopefully we can have him back kind of as these things go on. Um, part of... Um, the new world of action figures, I think, is the ability for very creative people like Bobby to find channels outside the normal um, ways of doing things. Kind of like we're doing with the podcast is we're, we're finding ways outside the normal way of doing things and being successful. And I think Action Force is, is one of those things where you look at this and say, oh my God, like this is amazing. Um, all the stuff they pack in. Now, it comes at a little bit of a premium of cost, but I think... I think when you listen to Bobby talk today, you'll understand what that premium gets you. Um, it gets you passion. It gets you understanding. It gets you. Um, it gets you. I don't know. I can go on and on and on. Uh, but it gets you great toys. I think at the end of the day, that's that's the most important thing. It gets you really great toys. So um, Bobby and I sat for about an hour. We talked. We chatted. I was supposed to go up to his place, but with everything that's going on, we weren't able to do that. So. We did it remotely. Uh, it was still a great experience. Um, like I said, I, I, I had a great time talking to him. I, I want to talk more to him. He also did an amazing um, one-hour look at the new Snake Eyes. Um, so I, it's, I know, a one-hour YouTube video, but, I mean, the way he breaks it down is amazing. And I think it just reinforces the passion he has for, for these type of toys. Um and shows you like what he knows and and that he knows his stuff i mean not that anybody doubted it but 
it just reinforces that whole idea. So, um, so we talk about that. So remember, um, to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're at Caster's Corner. Um, you can find, um, the podcast now it's on Podbean. Uh, there'll be a link in the website at the website for it. Um, so you can check that out and remember to check out Valiverse, uh, on Instagram and Facebook and, uh, Twitter, um, V-A-L-A, um, the, sorry, it's the Valiverse, T-H-E, V-A-L-A-V-E-R-S-E. Um, and it's valiverse.com, V-A-L-A-V-E-R-S-E.com. Uh, that'll get you everywhere. Um, it'll, she shows pictures. She's got his Instagram up there. Um, there's about action voice. There's, you can sign up to join. Um, so there's lots of options for you. Um, to check it out and get on board before these toys get released. You can still order some of them um, or you still can get on the train. Uh, so get on while you can before this stuff takes off and you're going to pay an exorbitant amount because I have a feeling um, with everything that's going on in toys today, I think these action figures are really going to really gonna take off um, and they're going to be a hot commodity going forward. So support people like Bobby that are doing their thing and uh enjoy so it is me is bobby valla for valiverse and the action force and enjoy the show guys (laughs) i don't think i've seen a display set up that organized yeah that's that's only uh you're only seeing like uh, kind of two walls. Um, yeah, it's it's every Joe figure from '82 to '94, and then '07 to now. Wow. That's... So, and then my my Steel Brigade walls over there. My prototypes are over there. My Terror drums over there. Flags behind me. All my artworks over there. That's yeah, a... it, gets, it gets intense. I hope <clears throat> I never move. That's an <laughs> impressive space. Um, so, what kind of what? I guess I'd start off with like, what kind of got you, I mean, we've, we've met before, like in mm-hmm. passing and things like that. I think we've done at least one interview at San Diego. Yep. Um, but never actually had like conversation because sure. everything used to be, everything is so curated when we do the stuff at all the shows and things that we don't have time to kind of bullshit, uh, yeah. and just I chat. Agree. So it, it's kind of these things where like, oh, no, I know this person. I know this person. But there's very few like relationships that like yeah. you, you have yeah. these kind of close things. Um, yeah, so, that's what always bothers me about like the, the Comic-Con stuff because it's like I always look forward to talking to you guys. And then I finally get the opportunity and it's like I got PR like over my shoulders mm-hmm. telling me what I can and can't say. It's like, you know, it, it, feel, it, does, it feels so impersonal in a way. And uh you know, once I kind of got out from under Hasbro, I was able to just do these kind of podcasts and have these kind of conversations just freely. Mm-hmm. It's it's so much more meaningful now. Well, and I think I think there's a little bit um, that's lost in in those those moments where, you know, we want to ask the questions, or as I guess toy journalists is what I've been called lately, um, mm-hmm. and we want to ask those kind of questions where it's like, hey, we're really interested in something. We really want to see it at some point and you can't have these kind of like, Oh no, no, these are on the table or these are, you know, Oh no, we really like this stuff. Yeah. Um, so you can't have those like open free discussions that aren't necessarily like looking to break a story or looking for spoilers or, you know, yep. reveals necessarily, but just to have like the general conversations where there were a couple of times I've, I would ask questions and be like, so um, tooling, where it was wouldn't allow for this to happen this way. Like if we wanted a really good, I think doc Ox, the one that kept coming up for me going, you know, logistically, how do you make him a little more posable? How do you make him a little more articulated? You know, technology's not there yet where you're still putting wires and rubber and the rubber doesn't hold up. Like it's all those little logistic pieces. So asking questions like that, like, you know, pie in the sky, if you can make anybody, that logistically you can't make right now. Um, who are you looking to build tooling for so that you could get to it? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. what do you have to create to get there? And um, those kind of questions that I think would be valuable um, 
talking about this stuff just don't get to happen a lot of times because we're so hemmed in on a lot of stuff we can say. But talking yeah. to the guy that's making the toys, I think we have a little more leeway. <laughs> oh, 100%. And that was the other thing. I remember, you know, we were told, like, you know, before those kind of Comic-Con trips, we were told, like, we have meetings and we're told, like, well, we can talk about when we can't. And, like, I always brought it up. I said, why can't we talk to them about costing and tooling and things like that? I said, because we're getting the the individuals who don't know mm-hmm. and they're asking us questions because they, they, they don't they don't know the, the situation. I said it would just be easy easy for us to just kind of cover it by telling them sort of the truth and what, what the deal is instead of beating around the bush and then keeping them in the dark and then the question still comes up. I said right. I, I think it's important to keep people like in the know and and it always bothered me that they were like so protective of it and I just never understood why. So like with Action Force I've said it from the beginning. The people that uh, have supported it, the Kickstarter, and and you know made pledges, like they're along for the ride the whole way. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm very open, and I, I keep people abreast of what's going on. And I show like, hey, you know, oh, hey, this this character Eclipse didn't fund because she's five molds, and it, it increases the production budget. And it's like I I think people need to know that kind of stuff so they're more educated and they understand you know product development. Right. I, I think that's one of the things that we've been kind of pushing for. It, and it's what I've noticed, too, and just kind of running into people as I'm shopping and being a little more friendly instead of the whole collector mentality. Like, I'm not going to tell you my secrets. Um, we spent last summer doing a lot of talking on our podcast about how do you go looking for toys and why certain things are happening. Like, your store is getting this much or this much or products are here or not there. And going through like how to do it and then looking at a wave, like you said, and talking about um, how cost affects what you're getting. You know, you get three Spider-Mans in a wave. Well, maybe the tooling dollars went somewhere else. It's like looking at that or looking at the wrestling figures and saying, okay, they're all shared parts, but you know, this one thing costs this much. So this wave is all just the generic guys. And, I think that I think there is value in that, and I think that there is a lot less education or knowledge of how this works. I think than most people understand, and I and I think I like the way that things are going with you. You know, putting it all on the table, showing people the process and the frustrations that go along with it too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You're you're totally on on the money. Um, so you've done this in in a couple steps. Um, I remember the initial one you had talked a little bit about, um, through Valiverse, um, not understanding the Kickstarter process or, um, going into it with one idea and then actually doing it. And I think we all struggle with that is like, we have this idea, we want to do it. Um, so what was it like for you to kind of make the decision to start your own line? Um, I knew like once once I left Hasbro, I knew like I obviously wanted to keep, uh, you know, designing toys and because it's what I love. And I saw so many other people successful doing it that I figured, all right, well, let me let me, you know, look into it because, you know, if I could do it, why not? I, you know, a lot of those other people were teams of people. Mm-hmm. I'm just me. But the more I thought about it, the more I knew I wanted to do it because I had ideas for what I wanted to do. And I knew especially working on a six inch show line at Hasbro, I knew that they kind of dropped the ball by canceling it. So there was that missing piece in the, the, um, uh, um, sorry, I'm blanking for a second. Um, collecting. Just, um, yeah, they, there, there was no one doing six inch military. You had a lot of mm-hmm. military four inch marauders and, you know, obviously Joe, but there was net, there wasn't anything in six. There was a gap in the marketplace. And I said that, I'm going to go in while it's still open, you know, because mm-hmm. eventually I knew Hasbro was going to do six inch Joe's. I figured maybe I could just beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of the first one to put it out there and like present it as such. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's why I wanted to do it. And then, you know, going in, there was, there was a lot of things I had to figure out going in. The first thing was definitely coming up with a great factory, which I did right off the bat. And then, yeah, then the whole like going into a Kickstarter is is very intimidating because you just you just don't know. You're you're kind of throwing an idea out there thinking, okay, well I think my idea is cool, but will other people think it's it's cool? Mm-hmm. Cool enough to 
proud. Sorry, you broke up just a little bit. What was that last part? That's oh, cool. Sorry. That's okay. I said it's, it, you know, you don't know if, if your idea is cool to other people and it, it cool enough to put money towards it and then wait a year to get the product. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, there's, it's, it's a big gamble, you know, cause you're also, you're putting a lot of funds into it that isn't, you know, necessarily part of the Kickstarter, but it's like your development time and money mm-hmm. and you're putting it in. It's like, if, if it does, if it fails, then what do you do? And it's like my, I failed the first time, but you know, I, I knew I just, it was just a small amount of things that I needed to tweak to be successful the next time. What's it like, I guess, something we, we never hear about. What's it like trying to find a company, a uh, factory? Because that's something that we hear a lot about, but we don't actually hear what it's like from a creator standpoint and trying to, because that mm. sounds like, a Kickstarter sounds daunting. I can't imagine having to find a production factory. Um, what yeah, was that like uh, for you? Well, that was, I, I, I kind of lucked out with it. And, um, but it's also the most important piece. Like you literally don't want to do anything until you have a good factory lined up because you hear all these horror stories. Like, look how many Kickstarter, you know, funded, but haven't delivered because Mm -hmm. either, you know, just poor factory, you know, relationships and that, that sort of thing. And I knew that I did not want that. I didn't want my product to be two years or, or three years and it, it's finally getting delivered and people are just like, Oh, it's great. But you know, it took forever to get, I wanted to make sure that like I'm coming out with, with my experience and showing that if you do things the right way, your product can come out on time. And, um, the, the factory that I have is the same factory that boss fight marauders, uh, dime novel legends that, that they've done, uh, they've had experience doing collector figures and mm-hmm. they just know what they're doing. And Dave Proctor, who was from boss fight studios is now on his own, but he's partnered with that factory. And when I heard that, when I first had this idea to do action force, I immediately got in touch with him and I told him my idea. And cause we're friends from Hasbro, we work together mm-hmm. and I presented him with, with the idea. He thought it was a great idea and he saw how serious I was about it. And you know, he's, you know, I said, I'd love to use your factory and, he was helping as a consultant early on, and now that uh, we're, we're in the factory stages, it's so invaluable to have him on board. So I really lucked out knowing Dave and having Dave's ties to the factory, so that that really, really helped a lot. But for someone kind of coming out of the gate not having the sort of the, the connections that I had, it's I can see that being very intimidating and very daunting trying to find a good, reliable factory because it's not like it's just – you know, known and out there like, Oh, Hey, this factory. Yeah. Contact this guy. It's, you know, you're, you're dealing with another part of the world and a language barrier. And, you know, a lot of these companies, they have to have sort of middlemen like project managers that they'll hire to deal with the factory. But, you know, at the same time, they're not the work they're working for you in a way, but they're not married to your product. They're just kind of helping you out and collecting a paycheck, you know, like Dave, like loves the action force product. And, he loves uh, toy production in general, so he he's totally v- invested in this this project. Not just you know because I've I've hired him in his factory, but because he he believes in it and he really wants it to be you know the best looking product it could be. And then, how does that translate into you seeing? I mean, I know you've seen the prototypes, but w- what's it like for you? to have those moments where either the factories are sending you samples or you're getting ready for that process. And then to see something, I I know that working with Hasbro, you get to see that, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of somebody else's property, right? It's not like your vision. So what's it been like for you to kind of see your vision, um, take physical form? Well, it's, it's very much the same. When I was at Hasbro, my favorite part was getting, you know, your first samples in, because that's when you see it in like real form. Like mm-hmm. that's when you know, like, okay, this is, this is it. It's it's tooled. It's molded in plastic. Like this thing is going to be real. And you you know you, you go from having this idea and this concept, and then you know doing the input drawings and designing this this product. So you're you're very much tied to it, and mm-hmm. then it kind of goes off, and you know you're working on other things, so you kind of forget about it, and all of a sudden your engineer comes in and drops off a box with bags of. Uh, samples and like this is awesome like it was always my favorite part of the whole process so uh, I'm really looking forward to the first samples that I get for Action Force because then that's like you know it's really real then Mm -hmm. you know and what's the 
timeline forget forgive me for not like looking all the details up but what's what's your timeline for the first figures to kind of hit uh either your hands and then um customers hands trying to think the last time i talked with uh the factory um because we're about or we're a couple weeks away from cutting steel for the molds and then you know they'll they'll work through some um fine tuning i'll probably see march april may I'd say probably May, mm-hmm. May I'll see, I'll see first samples, you know, cause they'll run some off and they'll, they'll tweak things on their own, but then I'll get to see samples and I'll make change, you know, uh, requests and changes and that sort of thing. And then I was originally planning to go out there in June, but with the virus and stuff like that, I don't know if that's going to happen, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be out there at some point during the production process. And then, um, I don't know how, how, how expansive do you, do you want to get with this? Like it, it's, it's ambitious looking at, I mean, you, you've got built in army builders into mm-hmm. this line, looking at it and going, you know, alternate heads, alternate decos, ways to kind of change them up. So you can buy three or four of the same figure, pop different heads yep. and really make it, um, a world building. But how, how big do you, how big's your imagination? I guess is the question. I want this, this thing to be as big as it can get. Like I, I have ambitions to, to the moon, you know, it's like, I look at this thing and I didn't go into it just saying like, Oh, I'm going to make a cool line, put out a couple figures. Like I, I made it so that it could be huge. Like I I want it to be as big as GI Joe. Um, I want it to be something that has history to it. Mm -hmm. Um, going into it, I knew I said it, you know, I could have just done a military line sort of like Marauders where it was just, you know, swappable parts and that, that sort of thing wasn't really like you know, any characters to it, but I wanted to create an IP. I wanted there to be story and, you know, all these characters to have, you know, backstories and history and that sort of thing. And I wanted to, you know, develop that and evolve that, that story and that mythos constantly, you know, I'm, I'm working on the, the web comic right now so that you're constantly getting action force, uh, mythos and, and, and content. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I want, uh, you know, I want Action Force to be a, a Netflix series. I want it to be so much more. But, um, you know, the toys are important, but the toys are just kind of like the starting point. Mm-hmm. And that's just to kind of kick off Action Force and get it out to people. But, yeah, I want I want this thing to go all the way. I want it to be huge. It's, it's well, I, I don't know. It's exciting. Um, there's news I think I've told you or I'll tell you later. Um, it, it's the idea of, like, pushing through. And like coming up with the new ideas and the um, excitement of it all that um, that comes across, I think, between your postings and hearing you talk about it, it's been uh, inspiring to say the least. Like to 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 see that um, because I don't know it it feels like at least being out there and looking for stuff. It feels in a lot of ways the tour world's getting smaller, at least for the action figure collector kind of that idea where there's less retailers. Um, even though there's a glut of stuff, I'm sitting at a table that you can't see right now, but it's full of toys. Um, that's just like a piece of what I have to go through recently. And, uh, but it feels in general, a lot smaller. Um, there's a lot less, I've I've been looking at going back and collecting some eighties lines. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just picked up some GoBots and I'm looking at Visionaries and I'm like, oh, I want to get some Jason the World Warriors. And I remember well. that period of time where like we were talking at Toy Fair, just reminiscing about all these like little lines that had so much story to them or so much impact to them. And I think we're missing that now because we're just looking at all the tent poles and all the sure. big names. So it's, it's sure. also exciting to kind of see lines like yours and Action Force kind of really blossom and have other characters to work with um that's exciting to me and and i especially like I, I, probably this is an 80s kid thing i like the idea of females in the line i understand the tooling goes up with them because you're limited yeah. and stuff um but it's it's exciting to see a line that put that's trying to put females in it and make them important um because it was something that was always missing or short packed in the eighties lines that like you, you, you know, it took like two or three years to get a wonder woman from superpowers for me yeah, to find it right. on shelf. Like, um, 
but but I mean, I think that the the designs are really cool um, because we always have the male action figures. And I think the idea of having females in the line too. So what's it been like for you trying to add those kind of characters in um, to kind of build out the line that's not just focused at guys looking to collect stuff? Yeah. Um, the females are actually my favorite figures in the line. Uh, Eclipse and Pandora, when I designed them, they were definitely, you know, besides Steelbreaking, my two favorite figures. And, you know, it, it was important for me to get them in the line. I also knew the constraints as far as costing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had to be strategic as, as far as when they were going to be put in the line and, you know, working at the factory and coming up with that strategy was really important. And, you know, I tried to put a clip out there and get her funded. Um, she, she fell a little short, um, unfortunately, but there's such a, a high demand for her that I believe that once the first year of product comes out and everyone gets in their hands and they're super happy with it and they've had all this action force content for a year when i go to put out say wave two and it's probably going to be more female based with eclipse and pandora eclipse version two and female steel brigade you know you'll have a lot of females to choose from Mm -hmm. and you know i think people really get behind that and really get excited about that for sort of like a, a wave or year two and um, I think that'll be successful when that actually happens. So as much as I would love to have the females in the line right now, I think uh, timing-wise and strategy-wise, I think it's important to kind of just take a step back from them. Uh, they, they are coming. You know, uh, people that are disappointed that Eclipse didn't fund. That doesn't mean she's not going to be part of the line. She will definitely be part of the line. Pandora will be part of the line. Uh, I'm going to do any, everything possible to make sure that those female figures get made. I And I think that... I think a piece of it too is um, at least from my perspective, when looking at the Kickstarters and looking at all the different projects that need to get funded, whether they're Kickstarter or self-started or uh, there's a lot of options out there for people to do it through. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, it's looking at how cool they are, but then costing it out and looking at, you know, funds and things like that. So how, and, and you have, I think loaded the figures is, is an understatement. Um, I think during Toy Fair, you were, you were, you were posting out, look at how much you pay and how much you're getting, um, with my figure. So, so what's it been like for you to kind of plan out and pack out a figure and saying these accessories are a necessity, um, for this character versus, um, costing and things like that? Because I think the other piece of it is we heard McFarlane talk a little bit about when he launched the DC line going, my constraint as the packaging size, not the cost size for him, is one of the things that kind of came off of one of his interviews. Uh-huh. Um, so from a toy maker perspective, what's it been like for you to kind of pack these with as a collector what you'd like to see or make it valuable? Well, yeah, they're, they're you know, when you're coming up with sort of a military line, it's like you want, they got to have a lot of gear, you know, mm-hmm. and working on Legends, it's like I was never able to really put a lot of accessories with the figures because, mm-hmm. you know, you got the Marvel royalty and it, it was tough. And, you know, even when I worked on the six inch Joe line, I was developing that. Like I had the figures coming with tons of accessories, swappable hands, um, multiple heads when needed, um, headgear. And they, they had a stand also, because I feel like stands are kind of one of those things. It's like important to, to collectors and, and mm-hmm. display, you know, stands like that little extra piece, like that bonus piece. And, you know, with, with GI Joe, there was no royalty. So I felt like I could have all this extra freedom that I I couldn't do on Marvel or the guys couldn't do on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So then when I was doing Action Force, I said, yeah, these guys have to have tons and tons of gear. So I make sure I work with Dave to say, all right, well, this is what I want to do. And I never – I with my experience, I sort of knew what I could fit in for my costing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to cut anything from the line. Uh, I didn't over-design and – have them come with too much stuff and then Dave say, well, you're, you're over on costs and this and that. You might have to cut a few things. I never had to do that. The only, you know, Dave was sort of like, hey, you know, maybe you can, because like Condor has rolled sleeves. Steel mm-hmm. Brigade has regular sleeves. Bone Collector has different boots than Condor and Steel Brigade. So Dave was like, oh, why don't you make Bone Collector have the same boots and Condor have the same arms? I said, that's, I don't want to do that. I was like, I want to make sure that these characters, as unique as they are, have that uniqueness to them and a little thing like that, like rolled sleeves or different boots 
really shows, I think, the love that I'm putting into these characters to make them unique, not just like, hey, here's the same body over and over and over again with a different head and some different gear and some different deco. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's there's a time and a place for that. But for this line, the uniqueness of the characters is paramount. Uh, you know, every character is their own. So yes, I'm using, I'm reusing a lot of parts for sure, but you see from character to character, there's a lot of unique parts per character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, in the line, it's like Condor's head is Condor's head. It's never going to be used for someone else. Uh, You know, it's that, that's, you know, because that character is that character, that's just the way the line's going to be. And that's how it was for Joe in the 80s. Like, right. they didn't really use parts until, you know, they, you got to like the 90s. But it's like, you look at all the characters, they, they, they were all unique, they right. all unique, unique heads. That was really important to me. And, um, you know, so, and then like things like the figure stand. And the figure stand actually has a purpose. It has a, a, a slot in the back of it because there will be a file card on mm-hmm. the packaging. So when you cut your file card out, you can slot it into the st- the display stand so you can display your figure with the file card, I think, because that's the way I display my figures. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's a cool option to have. And, you know, the, the, the stand like, it has Action Force embossed on it. It's really, it's really cool. And when 25th anniversary of Joe came out and they had stands with the figure's name on it, that was really cool. Yeah. And it was really important to the line as it went on. And I think one of the biggest gripes with Legends and Black Series was that they didn't come with stands. You know, yeah, and no. stands are really important. People think it's, you know, Hasbro, they, they think it's just, it, it's like a throw with piece and it's not important. And actually, it really is important. And, you know, I'm glad to see that Black Series is finally kind of doing those little clear stands now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Legends is doing that stand with the, the the Black Widow figure. But it's almost like kind of like too little too late, guys. Uh, so, you know, kind of just going back to it, it's like, yeah, it was important for my figures to be really full of gear uh, to set that precedence. like, these figures are going to be a price point and they're going to be a, a competitive price point with the rest of the market, but they're going to have a lot of stuff. And, uh, my figures may be a little more expensive than six inch Joe, but I can tell you right now, my offering is, is much better. Mm-hmm. And I know why, you know, the six inch Joe's came out and they didn't have a lot of accessories. It's because the royalty that's going on on Marvel and star Wars, they don't want to look bad when Joe's at the same price point have way more accessories. Yeah. Everything has to be like line line price and, and have the same perceived value in a way. And that's unfortunate because it is when you have a line like Joe that doesn't have a royalty, you're cheating the people buying it. So basically, when the consumers are going to buy the six inch Joe line, they're getting cheated because Hasbro's not giving them as much as they could be giving them because they have to look good against Star Wars and Marvel. I always hated that idea of perceived value. Um, yep. when you're packaging things, because I think it, it all goes back to my love for Ewoks and <laughs> they have always said that the black series, at least in interviews and things like that, that the reason we don't get Ewoks is the perceived value in a package is you're getting this little teeny tiny figure for the same price as the bigger stuff. And I was like, yeah, but no, I want it. Like, that's what I yeah. want. So like if you were to make a character that was shorter and loaded it with gear and had other things in the box. I'm fine with that. Like it doesn't yeah. impact me as a fan or as a collector going, well, I'm, I'm a collector of the line or I'm a fan of the line. So I want what you put out. Sure. And if you do a good job with it, I'm okay with the price point. So, yep. you know, looking at your stuff and saying, you know, the muzzle flashes and the different kind of gear and the backpacks and all the different options that you have for, for your figures going, well, no, there's a there's a value in paying more than the the regular, you know, the nineteen ninety nine, twenty one, whatever it is now, yeah. for that for that scale. Um, you mentioned clipping the file card off the package. Mm-hmm. So, as a collector, um, I know there's a lot of people that like to keep things packaged, and I think I've seen with the um, the more expensive stuff, like the import stuff, when you're looking at the figure arts and, and may effects and looking at that stuff, their packaging is made so that you can repackage the stuff to look like it's brand new. So you could take stuff out, you can play with it, you can pose it, you can do whatever you want with it. But at the end of the day, if you want to keep all the little parts together, um, you can do that. So the idea of cutting up a card, what was, what was the reasoning behind, you know, cutting up the package versus giving, um, a little more of a collectible collectible is not the right word, but a little more of a keep it, take it out of the box to be able to put it back in. 
Well, the thing that I wanted to recreate was the feeling we had when we were buying Joe's. And it's like you bought them and... You froze again. Hold on. The packaging, it was like, you know, they had, they had the cross sell on the back. So it was like you kind of, you sort of clipped the file card but saved the top half of the, the card because it mm -hmm. had the cross sell on it. You want to see the characters coming out. And it's like Star Wars had it too. It was... It was just an it was an experience um, as as a kid, and, and I wanted to keep that experience going. And I've always said from the start that Action Force was about play and display. Okay. If you want to keep them in the package, that's that's fine, no problem there. You don't have to cut the file card out; you can leave it. But these figures are meant to to be displayed, and they're because they come out so much gear and so much things you could swap out that. It'd be unfortunate to just keep that figure in the box. Um, you know, it, it, there, it has so much potential once you get it out. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not chintzing on the package, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the, the majority of the cost, you know, 90% of the cost is going into the figure because that's important. Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, we were doing some research when I was on Legends and 75% of Legends collectors were out-of-the-box collectors. Right, Star yeah. Wars is more of an in-the-box collector. It's 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 sort of different <laughs> like that. But, you know, this line is is going to be for, you know, it, it should be for, for out-of-the-box, uh, you know, collecting. But, you know, the packaging is going to uh, be able to be displayed. It'll have character art on it and that sort of thing. It'll be a nice package. But, you know, uh, hopefully everyone, everyone takes it out. But if you don't, that's multiples and keep one in the box and take one out but if you want to it'll just have one blister tray so you'll be able to take everything out and put it back in if you, if you want to take mm -hmm. it out and then put it back in the package um, and like I said you don't have to cut that file card out um, if you don't want to if you don't want to ruin the box there will be some sort of flag point uh, not called flag points but some something like that on the box for a future use down the road so like I said it's all about that experience uh, you know and to me if you if you just if you get it and you just put it on a shelf and keep it in the box, I, I think you're cheating yourself of that experience. Um, nothing wrong with it, but you know, I hope uh, you know my the consumers, people that buy the Action Force stuff, really get the most out of that experience that I'm putting out there. So it's clear that you had a good childhood experience with with toys um, from the way you're talking oh, yeah. about it. Um, oh, yeah. Did you? So you got the flag behind you at the moment. Um, yep. Yep. Did you have it as a kid? No, oh no. I, no. I've never I never even saw it as a kid. And it was kind of one of those things where I thought it was a myth. I didn't believe it existed until I I really didn't believe it existed until I was like in my twenties, till I actually saw one in person. Uh -huh. Um yeah, it, it was just I didn't, you know, my gr growing up, you know, me and my my three brothers, like my parents, we didn't have a lot of money. So it was like a lot of my Joes were like secondhand, you know, bought at flea markets and garage sales with no no gear. My Terradrome, uh, I found someone was throwing it out, so I found it on the side of the road. So it was like, you know, maybe had like 10% of its pieces, but I had a Terradrome as a kid. And, mm -hmm. you know, I ended up getting a Defiant. Like, I, I traded a friend of mine, like, all my Batman, uh, my Kenner Batman stuff for his Defiant. So it was like, I had the Defiant. Uh, I think I ended up carrying that thing, like, six blocks home. I remember it was so heavy. But, um you know, back then it's like I appreciated the Joes that I had because I didn't really have a lot of them. And mm -hmm. I was more of, a, of a, a figure kid. I wasn't a vehicles kid, but my best friend was a vehicles kid. So I used to bring my Joes over to put my Joes in his vehicles and stuff like that. So they, it kind of worked out in that way. Um, but yeah, now like going back and now that I have every figure in every vehicle, it was a cool experience because I got to get things that I never had before. So mm -hmm. when I got the flag and set it up for the first time, it was amazing. But then it was like I had this this experience where I got stuff that I had as a kid and got to have that experience of kind of fixing up and, and putting the labels on it. So like the Terradrome, like I got a Terradrome and I, you know, bought all the pieces, you know, on eBay and swaps and that sort of thing and gave it a bath and cleaned it all up with a toothbrush and bought, you know, you know, repro stickers and had that experience of putting that all on. And I, I felt like I was like that kid again, doing that again. And I have um, a, uh, uh, a tactical platform that is all sealed in the bags. And I have the original box mm -hmm. and I know I'm going to pull it out and it's probably blasphemy to some collectors, but it's like, I'm going to take that out of that plastic because yeah. I want to have that experience of 
taking that something I didn't have as a kid and putting the original labels on and, and building it for the first time now. Yeah. And like that experience is like so, so important. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it, it still lives on. Like I, I, it never gets old to me, like, like doing this stuff, setting things up and, you know, it's like, I have almost a hundred steel brigades. When I get a new one, it's like, like Christmas again. It's like getting it for the first time. You know, I mailed away for everything when I was a kid, if it was on a cereal box or wherever I mailed away for Kenner, clear predator, uh, you know, PVC figures from fruit loops, you know, the Han Solo stormtrooper from fruit loops, the lifeline from rice Krispies. Like I literally mailed away for everything just because you, you mailed away for it. And when like you got mail as a kid, like that was, was that was so, you never got mail. And then to get like a toy in the mail after forgetting about it for six to eight weeks, it was like amazing. Uh, so all that, all that stuff, all those experiences that, that, that all comes into my designing of, of the stuff that I work on. Um, are you looking at, um, I feel like I'm, I'm asking all these product questions, but I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Um, are you looking at, um, with the six inch scale, not saying vehicles necessarily, but are you looking at display options where we've seen a few companies kind of rise up and do the backdrop diorama pieces, um, whether they're cardboard and kind of cut out um, or you put them together. Um, are you looking at display options, either downloadable um, or out of the stories that you're building in the web, you know, in the web pieces um, that people can, when they get the figures in hands, use them as, you know, either backdrops for dios or images and things like that. Yeah, I definitely have ideas for that sort of thing because, like I said, uh, the displaying aspect is important. Um, people are, are so great nowadays with the way they display stuff. Um, you know, you also don't want to tie them down with a specific way of displaying, but mm. at the same time, it's like that cool nostalgic factor. There's something about it, like you know, like the the Star Wars display stand that the figure spun around on, uh, or there was a, a, a G.I. Joe one done by a third party. It was like an American flag and all the figures stuck to it. The, you know, the, the chewy bandolier that your yeah. figure stuck to. All that stuff is 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 important and a cool way to, of doing things. So um, I'm, I'm definitely going to explore those sort of options for stuff. Uh, you know, one of the my favorite items I ever worked on for Hasbro was the, the Comic-Con Missile Command Headquarters re-release for mm-hmm. Joe. Yeah. And that the fact that it's a cardboard playset, I think, is awesome. And I, I love that Star Wars kind of brought the cardboard playset back in a way. So I wouldn't be surprised if down the road you see an Action Force, you know, cardboard playset. But, um, you know, uh, we'll see uh, as as the line expands. I definitely have tons and tons of ideas rolling around, uh, you know, for displays, for vehicles, for that sort of thing. So. You know, as long as the line is is a success, um, I'm going to keep putting out really cool stuff. So, so why Steel Brigade? I'll just throw that out there. I've heard stories, I've seen things, but I've never heard it from you. So, why Steel Brigade? Um, he was he was always my favorite Joe as a kid. I think it was because, like I said, there's that that nature of you know it was an experience. You got the order form. You know, you filled it out. You Got your flag points or seven dollars. I had to beg my dad for seven dollars, and at the time that was a lot of money. And you mail, you sent away for it, and you know, I literally, I mailed it one day. The next day, I was checking the mail. My dad's like, "It said six to eight weeks," but it's like you're a kid, you're excited, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then you check the mail every day, but then all of a sudden, it gets to the point where you sort of forget about it, and time goes on, and then all of a sudden, it just shows up, and you're like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, it's like. I have a couple steel brigades in my collection that have the original mailer box. And it's like, it brings back memories. Like, wow, I remember this. And so steel brigade was, yeah, it was always my favorite. And, and when I left Hasbro, I created a steel brigade tracker site that, Mm -hmm. you know, the the file cards each have a unique serial number on it. So literally every one is unique and and, and traceable. So I I wanted to, to be able to log all these steel brigades that exist in the world and, get people to come together and, 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 you know, bond over this, this one character that, you know, either people still have their originals or they've bought some along the way and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's been, it, it caught on and people love what I was doing with it. And, uh, you know, I plans to sort of revamp the, the site in the next couple of months. So it's, it's a little more user friendly and, 
uh, allows for more uh, content for mm-hmm. Steelbrick. And then when I was working on Action Force, um, you know, getting the Action Force trademark, I, I looked in the way exactly turned out it was. And I said, well, what? how cool would it be if I can do my own action figure line and have Steel Brigade, my favorite G.I. Joe, in my line? Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it has to be newly designed and something different. But, uh, you know, it, it's still it's still awesome. Like when I when my trademark attorney told me that, uh, yeah, it's available, you can get it. And we applied for it and I got it like I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. Uh, so the fact that like. Like it's still weird to me that it's like I have Steel Brigade in the line. Um, it's 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 just wild. So so how do you go about choosing to get one? Like I mean, you have a lot. Um, so adding to that wall of yours, is it yeah. is it like all right this year I'm going to get one, or is it when they come up, or are you you know actively like searching because are they hard to get? Because I've never tried to get one. They're they're not they're not common. That's for sure. Like okay. and for me, the the important thing is the file card because mm-hmm. that has the trackable information. And once I created the tracker site, it was almost like a drug. Like I needed more because I was able to track them. I was like, I need every file card now. So and it got to the point where I think uh, I have I had it written down on a post-it like how many file cards I have. Uh, 90 figures, uh, 54 file cards, and 49 patches. Out of those 54 file cards, um, I would say probably 40 of them uh, were purchased on eBay. And of those 40, I probably only missed two or three on eBay. So it's like when one comes up, like I, I pay for it. Mm-hmm. And people are mad at me because... I've driven up the price of it, but I've also dri- I've driven up the price of it on myself. Right. So it got to the point where I was paying forty dollars a file card. Now I'm paying over a hundred dollars a file card. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, I'm the one paying for it, so I drew I drew the drew, I drove the price up on myself. But it got to the point where I just needed to have those. I needed to have every one. Um, you know, I don't buy every figure. Uh, if it's a good deal on a figure, yeah. But if it's a file card, I'm 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 in there. Um. You know, just because it's, I don't know, it's like one of those things where I just got to have them all now. Um. Well, it's its its also nice to hear. Um, so one of the things I've been struggling with, I guess, as kind of like a content creator is I get to see the nuts and bolts of how toys are made a lot or, or talk to you guys and have these kind of conversations and talk to friends about it and retail piece, like all these different marketing pieces, all these different pieces that it's kind of that idea, that old saying of like, you know, do you really want to eat sausage once you've seen, you know, you don't want to see how it gets made. Like you don't want to know. Um, whereas I'm looking at a figure going, okay, that part was used here. Okay. They use this piece here. Okay. They made this piece so that they can do this character later down the line. Like it's looking at all these things. So I guess, it's nice to hear somebody making toys be excited about toys in general. Um, not to say that anybody isn't, but yeah. but you don't always hear people talking about like, I need to track these down. Like I'm a little <laughs> bit addicted. Like th- there, there are moments where like, I, I like to say I have a cooler head and, and don't, you know, necessarily rush out the door every time I hear something's out or I need to find something. But there are moments where, yeah, no, I'll, you know, lunch break's going to take an extra 20 minutes because I've got to hit sure. two more stores. Um, I, I I think it's just a nice piece to kind of, to hear that coming from the people that are making the toys because I think when, I think that's a piece of, of, of putting our money into it. I think that's a piece of like looking at where we're putting our money and how we're spending it and what we're supporting is not only looking at... Um, the figures themselves looking at the accessories, but looking at what went into them. And and I know that personally um, I tend to support either the people or the companies that are more approachable um, or have kind of the passion behind it. Um, It's not so much for me about access and like whose room we get into. 
Um, yeah. It, it's more about, hey, I really like this stuff. Like I, I've had offers, I'm not going to say which company, but I have offers from a couple of companies that just say to me, we'll send you all the toys. Don't spend your money. We'd rather have the promo. We'll consider ads, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. I've point blank just said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to go to my local <laughs> shop or I'm going to go to Walmart or I'm going to go to Amazon or whatever and do the pre-orders because it's only 20 bucks maybe or, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it is, but I'd rather my money went to support your job or like to support you, you doing what you do, um, than getting it for free. Um, because I'm still going to review it. I'm still going to talk favorably about it. It's just, I want to make sure that your company keeps going because I want to make sure that people are buying the stuff and not maybe looking at my reviews with like the side eye going, well, he got it for free. So yeah. is he really going to say anything bad about it? Um, and so it kind of frees me up also in a lot of ways to kind of give you an honest opinion about it. Um, but yeah, no, going back to it, it's, it's fun to have the conversation about like what you're obsessed about. Like what, what are you really tracking for? Um, and, and I don't think, um, I think everybody's got those grails or those things that kind of like, no matter where you are, you're, you're going for it. Like <laughs> it's going to catch your attention. It's going to, it's going to keep you going. It's like those things that you look for at Comic-Con, I think, um, mm-hmm. that you're always hoping to find. Um, so I don't know. So what else, what, what else do you want to tell us about the line? What is, how did you come up with some of the ideas for the characters? Um, it, just a lot of it, like you can find areas where like, if you're good enough to text, you can see like things I'm inspired by, you know, obviously steel brigade was, you know, easy, but you know, condor, I wanted that. I wanted a good, a good hero, a, a good guy, but not, you know, a bread and butter, good guy. Um, bone collector. Um, I was, I was watching Willow one day and general kale, I feel like is one of the coolest underrated bad guys like ever. And I feel like they could just do a movie just on him. And the fact that he just wore this skull mask and he had this awesome sword, I was like, that dude's awesome. I was like, if that guy was in the military now, and then I was just like, whoa, okay, I'm going to design like General Kales if he was in the military. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like with the, the, the start of Bone Collector. I just wanted him to be this vicious dude that just wore this sort of saber-tooth quasi-cat mask and, and just looked really really awesome and was all decked out in like heavy tactical gear and just just an overall cool cool character and he turned out exactly how i hoped um you know karak he uh he steals a little bit from matthew mcconaughey's character in uh um reign of fire Mm -hmm. uh he just so cool he was this guy bald head beard he had this cut off bomber jacket and he carried around this giant axe i was like man that guy is awesome looking um, uh, Eclipse, I, Eclipse was a character I created years ago. Uh, her name was, uh, um, Stunner at the time. She was like this female sniper and she sort of evolved from that into Eclipse. Uh, Pandora, I, I just like that, that look of, you know, the females with the, when they have the kind of like that shaved, the, mm-hmm. their sides are, are shaved. And I just wanted her to be like a really cool, like just badass chick, like kind of girl, like. You fell in love with, but you knew that she'd probably put a knife to your throat. And um, she was just fun, fun to create. She turned out exactly how I wanted to. You know, there's obviously there's like, you know, little little inspirations here. Like, you know, Becky Lynch, there's a little bit of Becky Lynch in her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, if I just if I just have like a cool idea, you know, I'll just I'll like jot it down. I'm like, all right, that that's cool. And then. I like to develop as I go along. Uh, so I'm working on the character and I might not sketch out the character exactly how I want, but then when I'm designing the figure, like then things will sort of evolve and kind of, you know, uh, come up to the surface and, and end up being exactly what they are. Um, maybe not intentionally, but as I'm working on the, the swarm troopers, I wanted to, to have that, you know, I, I don't know where I came up with it. You know, it's like, um, you know, you could say like, oh, well, that that sort of black and yellow bee look has been used so many times, and it, and it has. Mm-hmm. But I wanted I wanted something that like like the bats and Joe, but I you know just uh you know faceless kind of you know military uh, troopers, but I didn't want them to be androids. 
wanted these to be real guys, but I wanted them to look very different. But, um, you know, whereas, uh, like bone collector and condor and steel brigade, they're very real world tactical. Mm-hmm. I wanted us to kind of deviate from that a little bit. I wanted like, if you look at Joe and you look at like 82 to 84, very generic, They started to really like break frame and got bright colors and mm-hmm. uh, had really outside box looks to them. Like Doctor Weinbrenner's just weird looking, you know. And, um, they're just they're just crazy looking characters, but they they work, and that's what I wanted with the swarm. So, you know, uh, having these sort of troopers, and I just thought like, oh, what if they had these cool jetpacks that had like insect looking wings? And then it just it just started evolving as I was working on it, and you know, with their armor pieces and that that sort of stuff. So. It just sort of comes to me as I'm, what was that? I said the depth on the faces and the undermask pieces, I think are some of the things that kind of stood out to me that you don't normally see for like these masked figures where, where you don't get sure. the the feeling that they're wearing a helmet. It's that old Iron Man thing where like, he looks like he's wearing like spandex when he's drawn a lot of times yep. or he made, he doesn't look like a guy in an iron suit. So the idea of when we get figures that have depth to them, it doesn't look like everything's drawn on. I think it really sets it apart from like an average figure. Exactly. And that, that's important to me. There were a lot of times I went back and forth with my sculptor, like, Hey, that has to look like it fits over this and it has to be, uh, it has to have a real world feel to it. Um, you know, yeah, you're cutting corners here and there, but mm-hmm. it's a good point to get about Iron Man. It's like the Mark three and Mark seven are my favorite suits because they look like he's wearing armor. Right. I didn't like anything after like Mark seven because then they started doing, I know the nano stuff and that sort of thing, but it was too streamlined. It was too, it looked like spandex and I didn't, I didn't like that. I Mm -hmm. like the idea of him wearing suit of armor that, that that's really important to me. So I got, I got to do the Mark seven for, for legends. And like, that's awesome because that was my favorite armor and I wanted him to look big and bulky. Like he's, he's bigger than some of the legends figures because he had to look like he was a guy in a suit of armor. Right. Um, I think one of the things that came up, at least for us, a couple of years ago when, when Hascon was going on, we had this really in-depth conversation with the guys on the site that were working for me at the time. The idea of um, military figures um, being uh, marketable. And mm-hmm. so the idea of going into this... Um, for you, was there an, ever a question as to how close to military this got and how fantastical you made it? Um, and looking at, I guess, marketing and knowing that it it it, it fills a, a very narrow band, at least at the moment, being you know a self-starting project and then um, even looking to expand, having it be military, do you ever worry about the the marketability of it um in today's world yeah that's definitely a a good point i mean it i called it a military line but when i think about it i think of it more like i I would call it a warfare line because yeah gi joe has had this connotation like it's a it's an american military brand it doesn't sell well overseas and this the new six inch joes they went more that sci-fi route and less of that that military generic usa sort of thing mm-hmm. i think because they just wanted to break frame from that and they wanted to give a new feel to it um you know i don't i'm not i, I don't i'm not really for it um but you know look at what's popular nowadays look at all the games look at Fortnite. look at overwatch right. look, at, look at halo look at um um uh what's the the military one um call of duty all duty yeah like it's all warfare so it's maybe not military mm-hmm. like i think I started calling it a warfare line yeah maybe people will understand because it's like all those games it's all warfare it's all battling it's getting weapons getting upgraded weapons and just blasting the hell out of everyone so military yeah people get this this idea in their head like oh military and it's it's you know this this tight regiment and stuff like that and it's like yes action force is a military group but the story it's more like factions Mm-hmm. So all the groups are more like factions and okay. there's really no clear good guys, bad guys. I guess action force is more the good guys than, than anything. 
but they are still kind of a faction and you know they they have different views and that sort of thing but it's all it's all warfare it's kind of everyone against each other i didn't want to clear joe versus cobra right so there's really no action force and then a bad guy it's like all these different factions but everyone is kind of against each other kind of like these battle royale scenarios because that's what is that's what's popular and that's what people are into nowadays so yeah i may call it military but i think if we maybe started referring to it as like oh like a warfare theme Mm -hmm. you know i think it sounds any better for retailers but and then i don't think that it's a problem for retailers i mean look retailers are carrying fortnite like crazy you know that's a lot of real world guns stuff like that so um i never i never felt that the problem was the retailer i always felt that the problem was the company like when i was working on legends disney pushed on us all the time like you guys can't put real guns mm-hmm. uh that was like direct from disney but then it looks like they broke frame from that and now they add real guns so i think it's okay now but you know i don't like with people ask me like oh joe going more sci-fi is that because of the retailer i i don't think so i don't the retailer all the retailer cares about is price point, on-shelf date, that sort of thing. They're like, does it have entertainment behind it? They really don't get into the nitty-gritty of, oh, well, that's a gun. Mm. Right. Like, look at all the Nerf blasters out on the shelves and that sort of thing. So it's that yeah. that really doesn't matter. No, I, I completely agree with you. I just was wondering. It was one of the bigger conversation pieces with looking at um, you know, how it – it's more specifically towards Joe. You're right. Like, the – you know, yeah. USA rah rah idea versus, you know, what you guys are doing with it. Um, and, and I think that it, it adds to it, um, having all the gear, having all the other things, having them in that scale in the six inch scale, I think you're just adding to the collectability of it. Like it doesn't, and, and, and I have, <laughs> toy fair people hate when i say this in the booth but i'm like you know your toys work really well or would work really well with somebody else's and i'm like you guys know that's a selling point right like i i don't understand like i understand like they're all in their factions but i constantly tell playmobile i'm like you realize that these are great for kids who start off buying your stuff but then they're going to keep it and maybe buy more accessory stuff because they fit really well with mini mates. Like it's that idea where it's not exclusive to your line. And as long as they're buying it, who cares why? Like as long as they keep coming back, there's a little bit of that. Like I understand like you being proud of the property and and wanting to do like your own storylines. But at a certain point, I think it's looking at it going, a friend of mine just bought four more of her legends just because they wanted the legs from this one and the chest from this one and the head from this one and the accessory from this one so they can put together this figure themselves. Sure. Um, and it's like, uh, sure, I don't care why you buy the toys, just buy the toys. Yep. Um, and I think that I, I see that a lot in your line looking at, okay, that backpack's going to look really good with this figure or this muzzle flash, I don't get enough from other, nobody's doing muzzle flash. Mezco is probably the only ones and you're paying yeah. a big premium for those. Um, yeah. So those little pieces that really kind of uh, really add to it and add to the value. I think that's what it comes down to. I think that's what it, I keep coming back to and looking at like, what's the value, what's the attachment to it um, and, and trying to help people, you know, kind of promote their lines and, and talk about stuff like that. So. I I never understood why you don't want to like kind of say this works with this. It's like I don't know why the, the the companies are afraid of it because I said it from the start. Like the heads, the ball joints on the Action Force figures are the same size as the ones on Legends. Mm-hmm. So same with the wrist, the wrist joint. So I'm giving you that swappability. The peg holes in the feet, the peg holes in the back, they're all the same size. Why would I not want? my library to work with one of the largest action figure libraries out there. Yeah. Like it's miss if you don't. And that's what I never understood about McFarlane, why he went with such a large figure and did weird joints. It was, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you not want to work with everything that's been out beforehand? And, you know, luckily when Mattel was doing DC, it was kind of the the same size as, as legends and things like that. Like things were off, but yeah, I just don't get it. Like if I were making, a brick building system. I would want it to work with Lego. Right. Why not? Like, right. Cause everyone has it. Like it, it, it makes sense. Like 
the the whole like oh no we can't we can't work with that line or this or that it's like i didn't i, I never understood it i really don't i have no problem saying action force is going to work with legends of course it is you know yeah, it's, it, nice. it's still not yeah no it's it's a it's like i said it's a great selling point it's it's only adds i i think you can only add yeah. to a person's collection and we, we've had a lot of talk about scales and things like that recently and and the idea that you're right like mcfarland going to the different scale and the different kind of joints it's he's doing his own thing um but i don't know how long that's gonna last i i you know i bought the figures because i needed to do some work with them but i don't know if i'd be all in or or going forward and i think that's kind of what i'm looking at all these different lines where i'm like all right this is fun but you know where's it going from here for me like initially this is what the thoughts are but yeah cool um so we're about an hour so usually like to try to wrap up and talk a little more about like where you could find your stuff um how to support it like at this point with the initial offering done there are still options to to get in on the line because you know figure one hasn't been out yet um so how do people find you how do they how do they jump into that process Sure. Yeah, uh, pre-orders are still open right now. Uh, all the items are available. If you go to valiverse.com, right on the front page there, uh, click on the, the center image. That gives you a link directly to Crowdox where you can place a new pre-order. So if you're a new customer and you haven't gotten any action for stuff, go to valiverse.com, click on the center link, takes you right to Crowdox page where you can set up a, a brand new order for act, all the action force items. And if you're, you know, if you... Uh, pledge on the Kickstarter. You've gotten emails that link you to Crowdox to, to add more to your order, so that shouldn't be a problem for anyone. But yeah, any new customer, Valiverse.com. Um, if you got any problems, I'm always available on social media, uh, the Valiverse on Facebook and Instagram. There's also a really great uh, Action Force fan page out there that was set up. It's called Legions of Valiverse on Facebook, and it's just a place where like fans of Action Force go there and just talk about stuff and, you know, throw, throw ideas out there and that sort of thing. Um, I'm one of the admins on the page, but I don't, I don't police it and I really don't post on it, you know, but I, I definitely go on there and comment and like things and that sort of stuff. Cause I wanted there to be a page for people, uh, just for, just for the fans of it. Um, you know, I, I have my own pages that, that I, I, I handle, but the legions page is strictly a fan page. So if you're a fan of action force, uh, and, and, and what I'm doing, Go on there and, uh, you know, join Legion because, uh, you know, somewhere down the road, I'm going to do something for the members of the Legion page and, you know, something fun. Um, you know, I'm still working on that now, but it's just, you know, uh, more cool content just to add. Uh, the web comics are coming. I'm, I'm constantly doing updates on my social media for that kind of stuff. So there'll be digital subscriptions uh, online. So more news on that will be coming. And then, um, yeah, stuff's always happening. Cool. Well, thank you for sitting down with us. We really enjoy the product. We're excited about it and uh, can't wait to see what comes next and and talk more about it. So for sure. Thank you you so much. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, no, it's been great. Cool. This podcast was brought to you by Jackson Studios. Jax!